3: Yes, indeed, and this morning I am joined from the University of Minnesota, Mary Meyer from the U of M. Good morning, Mary. Nice to have you back on CCO.
0: Oh, good morning, Denny. Good to hear your voice. Boy, we are in peak garden season now.
3: And if uh, I I know we are, and I can I'm doing a rain dance every day. Uh, <laughs> this is this is kind of scary, actually. <clears throat>
0: Oh, it's tough. We could, we could use a lot more rain, that is for sure. Well, keep doing your rain dance.
3: All right. <laughs> you don't want to see that, but I will keep doing it. Uh, let's uh, let's welcome our uh, listeners to the show. And as uh, regular listeners know, we tend to get very busy here. So if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, by all means, call us or test us. If you'd like to chat with Mary, great. If you would just want to send Mary the text, that's fine, too. Just one number for either 651 Four six one nine two two six. We already started earlier this morning, which is not really that strange. Of getting uh, getting lawn and garden questions uh, even during other shows uh, this morning. Let's see if I can uh, go back up here. If it's real early, we kind of uh, miss them uh, because of other situations. Let's see if I can find it here. What would be good morning? This one says the best time to start a fall crop of lettuce. Thanks very much. I just love the show. Wish it was on longer. (laughs) Uh, Well, some... What's the best... uh, Go ahead, Mary.
0: Yes, some people are doing second sewings now, or I hate to say the word fall sewings, but... You can do that. You can sow lettuce right now. Uh, The soil is very warm, so we have good seed germination. Lettuce, like our other cool season crops, um, cabbages, kale, and so on, they like cooler temperatures for growing, but they need warm, pretty warm soil for germination. But you could try uh, lettuce right now. Uh, you You know, lettuce doesn't need much time. Um, 30, 45 days until you can actually uh, start picking it. So if you back up from uh, the first frost date for 30, 45 days, uh, you you could sow lettuce for quite a while now.
3: All right, very good. That's how it works, 651 Your questions for Mary. Um, another one that came in earlier this morning. How far up from the ground... Do you trim tomato plants? Right now the bottom leaves are contacting the ground. Oh, you don't want that, do you?
0: Well, if they are close to the ground, there's more likely there's splashing soil on them and water might stay on them when you're uh, actually watering them, which lots of people, are, of course, are doing. And that promotes uh, fungal diseases. And uh, tomatoes are notorious for getting fungal diseases, uh, septoria leaf spot, early, late blight, etc. So the the goal is keeping the foliage as dry as possible. If you can put the hose down on the ground and keep it dry, that's great. I don't do any pruning on my tomatoes unless they, the foliar diseases come on and there's more disease than there is green tissue, then I take off those leaves. But I am not a tomato pruner. Some people prune their tomatoes and they take a lot of foliage off, but I don't take any foliage off unless it has uh, disease on it. But if you want to prune your tomatoes, that's a whole different story. And those are usually uh, one main stem and taking off uh, less of the leaves. But uh, if the leaves are green and healthy, just try to keep them dry.
3: Okay, very good. Uh, This texture says this. It kind of rambles on a few different uh, levels here. We have an ash tree that needs to come down under the ash tree is a shade garden that includes my prize lady slipper, among other shade-loving perennials. Do you have any recommendations for salvaging this shade garden until a new tree can be planted and fill out? I'm planning to keep it consistently watered and possibly use shade cloth, but looking for any other ideas.
0: Well, I would recommend maybe that you do this ash removal in the dead of winter uh so you don't damage any of the plants getting the tree out because when the ground is soft or um, like uh, not frozen you can damage a lot of plants with just the removal of the trees because the equipment that has to come in there but but the listener really is more interested in maintaining shade so i would look for something that is uh, quick growing that you can plant as a replacement I've had very good luck with um, the St. Croix elm, which is an elm, American elm, that doesn't get uh, Dutch elm disease. And that's actually a St. Croix elm, which is an elm, American elm, that doesn't get uh, Dutch elm disease. And that's actually a very fast-growing tree um, that you can plant. So you're thinking about your replacement tree. Um, Could you plant your replacement tree right now? This year, and actually get a head start on it growing to come up and grow before you have to get uh, rid of the ash. That's another thing. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh,
3: this is this next text. Uh, is, I think tons of us can relate to, uh, and I'll just read it. I have owned my home for over twenty years. Have always had a nice looking lawn. This year, the weeds are overwhelming. What's going on? <laughs>
0: well i think we we've had um just the natural rains a couple of natural rains really have helped the weed seeds germinate but the droughts um you know the last year last year's drought and this year um june being such a dry month have been more difficult for our lawns. And weeds, of course, can survive a lot of very tough conditions. So we just see the weeds uh, surviving in the really tough uh, conditions. Just goes to show also the huge number of weed seeds that live uh, indefinitely in soils and can germinate whenever the conditions get right. But if if you really don't want to have any uh, flowers for the bees out there on a pollinator lawn, uh, there are um, several broadleaf uh, herbicides that will do a good job of killing the weeds and not killing your grass.
3: Very good. Mary, hang on. Uh, we need to take a quick break here, inviting our listeners to join in on our Smart Garden Show, 651-461-9226. Call in your question or just send a text, whichever is easier. Right now in the Twin Cities, as we head to this quick break, we have 62 degrees now. That's the new temp heading for near 80. Stay with us on News Talk 830 WCCO. Good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here every Saturday on CCO in the 8 o'clock hour. Welcoming your lawn and garden questions this morning for Mary Meyer from the U of M, helping us out uh, today. Uh, Mary, tons of text messages. If uh, you prefer to chat with Mary, we enjoy hearing your uh, voice when you call in. Or, again, if you'd rather send a text like a lot of folks, 651-461-9226. Here is another text, Mary. My tightly packed daylilies have yet to send up a flower stalk. Is it too late?
0: Oh, too too late for them to flower. Um, Well, no. Daylilies are really just starting to flower. Daylilies are one of the big flowers now uh, in bloom at the Arboretum. Uh, I think it's, it, there's a difference in timing. The Some of the Stella d'Oras are the um, Star of Gold, the, the early flowering ones, but they're mid-season and then they're late ones as well. Uh, usually I would say if it's not flowering for a day lily, it might be lack of sun. They really like a lot of uh, sun conditions. So but if the, if it continues and next you don't have any flowers throughout the whole summer, I would think of dividing them, putting them in a location where you have more sunlight.
3: OK, let's uh, grab a phone call. John is uh, calling in, I believe, this morning from St. Louis Park. John, good morning. Uh, thanks for calling. What's your question for Mary? Hey,
1: good morning and thanks for taking my call. I've got kind of a rescue question. Um, I've got a small boulevard that has hosta in it, and I have a lovely little oak tree that's sprouted up, and I wonder how I can keep that and actually then move it later into my yard. Should I leave it there, you know, till it gets three feet tall, or what should I, should I, uh, I just need some advice.
0: The smaller it is when you move it, the more likely you'll have success. So, uh, and and by small, I mean six inches, so the, the, the oaks are notorious for developing a main root or a tap root. And that is like a pencil going down into the soil. It's extremely difficult to get the whole thing. So once it's a, a foot or two tall, it's got a foot or two tap root down there. And that's, it's really difficult. So the younger, the better. Uh, yeah. If you want to do it even right now, uh, i would do it this year before next year prepare the hole where you're going to put it in and just do your best to go down deep all the way around and um good luck
3: all right this texture, mary says i planted a number of hydrangeas last year they're not in a good space because of pets running along the fence can i transplant them now or should i wait
0: oh that's a it's a tough question um i i said yes on the oak because it's just going to get bigger and more difficult every day you wait but the hydrangeas boy they need a lot of water but you just put them in a year ago so they're probably maybe not very big but you if you do it now you have really got to pay attention to the water and watering them it'd be better to do it um as they're losing their leaves into the fall or first thing next spring. But uh, if you can water it uh, and they haven't been established very long, you could probably get away with it right now.
3: All right. Here's (laughs) another one. Uh, How do I transplant wild established asparagus plants into my garden?
0: Oh my gosh, you know, I've never tried doing this. We do see asparagus come up in, in the wild. Um, birds will eat the seeds and uh, eat the and so deposit the seeds. And so it can come up here and there and everywhere and see it, but I've, I've never tried actually transplanting it. Uh Interesting. So yeah, um, asparagus is known for being planted deep and then you kind of layer it up on top of it. You put more soil on top of it as it grows. Well, just, uh, uh-huh. Yeah, so it's a full big fern out there right now. So moving it right now is probably going to be tough, but otherwise you got to mark it and then try to find it early in the spring to move it. Oh, I would give it a try right now. See, okay. it just get as much soil as you can, and, uh, yeah, maybe it'll work.
3: All right, good luck with that. This yeah. <laughs> uh, Dexter Mary, says, uh, good morning. Thank you for the great Saturday morning garden show. Thank you. Uh, what can you share about the baby and or Miss Kim lilacs? How to care for them?
0: Baby or Miss Kim. Yeah, I have a, a beautiful Miss Kim lilac um, right near my back deck it flowers a little bit later than the traditional lilac and it's a beautiful fragrance so that's we sit on the deck and can smell the lilac and the baby ones are they have a little uh, i assume they're referring to the the leaf the leaf is a little bit smaller So they're, yeah, they're different species of lilac. They are wonderful shrubs, uh, large shrubs or small. Some of them are a little uh, shorter for Minnesota and a little bit later flowering, beautiful fragrance. Um, yeah. So I would say go to the garden center and, um, look for the, yeah, many different types of lilacs. So Miss Kim is one of them. Uh, there's some other hybrids that are, uh, available today, but a very good choice, uh, for our, uh. Cold climate.
3: Very good. If you are just joining us this morning, Mary Meyer from the UVM answering those lawn and garden questions here on our Smart Garden Show. Uh, and yet another one, Mary. Uh, this texter says I've planted sedum in my yard that's growing to a height of eight to nine inches. They're planted by a large rock, but gets plenty of sun. Each summer, one plant splits in the middle. What can I do to prevent this from happening?
0: Well. Uh, make sure you're not over watering it. Uh, full sun is critical for the sedums. You know, there's some that just tend to do that. They tend to open up and, and flop. But the only thing I have um, seen or read that can encourage that is too much water. So, sedum doesn't need to be watered at all, really, once it's established. And it will be shorter and more compact with less water. So, make sure that if you have an irrigation lawn or something, make sure that uh, it's not hitting uh, that uh, sedum. Some species are. Go ahead. uh,
3: Says, uh, is it too late to apply grub killer to our lawns?
0: Oh, you know, it's we're already, what, almost halfway into the show today, and we have not had a Japanese beetle call, yeah, because right. uh, the Japanese beetles are out now. They have emerged. You'll start to see the first ones, and of course, their immature form um, is the grub. So the, it it is, right now, It's it's kind of in between times, because the grubs are not in the ground. They're emerging as adults. And uh, we get closer to August, mid-August and into September. And then those grubs are going to start growing and feeding in the soil. So that's the better time to do the, the application for uh, grub control. So it's if you put it down now, it's not going to do anything and it will start to deteriorate. I'd say probably a month from now.
3: Okay. Let's take a phone call. Diane is calling in from uh, St. Paul, I believe, uh, this morning. Diane, thank you. What's your question for Mary? Good morning. Thank you.
0: Uh, I have planted Kentucky Wonder pole beans in my garden, and they came up and grew to about five inches in height and then stopped growing. And very near them, I planted some bush beans, and they're going like crazy, and that seed was a couple years old. (laughs) What's happening? (laughs) <laughs> well uh, there may just it might just be competition uh, Kentucky Wonder well two things so Kentucky Wonder has to have something to climb on so many of our plants that are climbers beans clematis things like that if you don't have a support system uh, they just really languish so they've, it's got you've got to have uh, bamboo poles chicken wire some t- something up there for it to hang on to otherwise uh, it'll languish Oh, the other thing might be the, just the competition. The bush beans are um, just being more competitive. If they're both in full sun, um, you might try thinning out some of the bush beans. The thing is, the bush beans, they'll produce. And once they're done producing, your Kentucky Wonder might not have produced yet. They're slower and take a longer time. They really will grow that big vine. But uh, if it's full sun, I would say, and enough water, just be patient and give your Kentucky Wonder the support it needs.
3: All right, I tell you what, Mary, let's uh, take a break for weather. We have about another half hour of the show to go. So if you have any kind of a laundry garden question for Mary, by all means, call it in or text it in, 651-461-9226. Back after the weather here on News Talk 830, this is WCCO. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on CCO every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. This morning, Mary Meyer from the U of M answering all of your lawn and garden questions, of course, either by phone or by text. Here's the number 651-461. 9226. Mary, of course, I always want to mention not only the university's website, but we want to talk about visiting the Arboretum. But we'll, we'll get to that in a moment or two. But let's grab a phone call. Richard has been hanging on the line from Melrose. Uh, thanks for waiting, Richard. What is your uh, question for Mary?
1: I don't have a question but a comment on the person that called in about transplanting wild asparagus. Okay. And it's very, very easy to do. And I don't know if I would do it now, either in the spring. I I did mine in the spring many years ago. And you're going to, if it's an established plot, it's going to be a big ball of roots, like the size of a basketball. And you can chop them up into softball-sized pieces and then plant them about three or four feet apart, and you'll get one big asparagus patch in no time.
3: Oh. All right. Cool. As you know, Mary, and, and we've got can, this
1: and, Go ahead, and Richard. you can harvest it again you can harvest it already the next spring. You don't have to wait two years to be uh picking it.
0: Yeah, right. so That's great information. I th- Right. I yeah, I, I think uh, Richard you're talking about uh transplanting and it's from one asparagus bed to another where where you've already you got a big plant, you got a big you've got asparagus growing to begin with and yes. Um I think this collar or the texture had a wild one. So yes. one one plant growing by the roadside somewhere. So I'm not sure if they're going to find that big mass at the bottom or not, if it's a seedling and a young plant. But but yes, thank you for your uh, your experience because asparagus has got a big root system once it gets going, because it's a wonderful perennial for many years.
3: Oh, interesting. Cool. Thanks again, Richard. Uh, we have a couple of, maybe more than that, Mary, about tomato plants. This one, uh, is, but they both have the same question. And this one says, my cherry tomatoes have blossoms, but no tomatoes. Is there anything to do to encourage the tomatoes? And other questions have the same thing, blossoms, but no tomatoes. Uh, are we still yes. okay?
0: Yeah, yeah, hopefully, yes, they're, they're fine. Uh, tomatoes are very sensitive to temperature in fruit set so they don 't like it below fifty five and they don 't like it above eighty or eighty five so the blossoms will form, and that 's great that 's a good sign but the the temperature're they 're sensitive to temperatures so throughout the throughout the summer we'll have the right temperatures, but if it gets to be extremes the fruit will, the blossoms come, but the fruit just doesn't set up so yes, and the cherry tomatoes those uh smaller ones are notorious for having a huge number of fruits, so I think you'll be fine, but in the beginning, we're always watching every flower and waiting for <laughs> for the first fruits but they're they're too temperature sensitive,
3: okay. This uh, listener, Mary, says, I have a lot of white flies in an outside potted plant. Should I get rid of the plant I sprayed with dish, uh, dish soap and water? Will the flies go to my other plants and vegetable garden?
0: It depends what the other plants are. There there are some plants that white flies really prefer. They do tend to like tomatoes. We see them a lot on tomatoes, Uh, sometimes uh, poinsettias. Some of our other uh, greenhouse crops are notorious for getting uh, white flies. But as long as your plant looks healthy, I wouldn't worry about it too much. Uh, You need a huge population of white flies to make a, a difference in the plant. And usually most plants that we, have uh and especially when they're growing outside they're healthy enough uh without controlling them but what you've done insecticidal soap or just water there they live uh immature white flies are on the underside of the leaf so they're tiny they're small you can hardly see them but their immatures are on the underside so if you're cleaning them off make sure you hit the underside of the leaf as well
3: okay A listener says this via text. For container garden, how big slash deep should a container be for a cucumber pickling variety be? I have it in one about eight inches diameter and eight inches deep. Is that too small?
0: Uh, it's just one plant, eight by eight. That's about as small as I would go. Uh, and, you know, you just have to try these things out. It's, if you have the ability to water it every day uh, or maybe twice a day in really hot de- days, um, it might be all right. If you can give it enough water, uh, it might be all right. It's amazing. I have grown cucumbers um, in a bigger pot than that, but they can be very productive. Uh, If they're in full sun conditions, you want to give them some fertilizer, um, you know, at least once a week, liquid fertilizer is fine, but the water is going to be the limiting factor. So if you can pour on a lot of water, you, you could be Okay.
3: Okay. Uh, if this uh, listener says this, if three ash trees are dead from ash borers, what are the chances of saving a fourth ash tree with treatment?
0: Uh, low. Uh, oh. the, the, treatment, the treatment is helpful, but it's not a total um, control. and And we do know that. Um, it's, you know, it, it, it's a preventative, especially in the beginning. It can help with two or three years for between treatments, but it's, um, it's unfortunately pretty inevitable, especially if it's local and the, uh, trees are close by. Um, there are some arborists who say that, uh, it takes five years before the, death of the tree and the symptoms will actually start to show up so the boars can be there feeding right now and we don't see enough symptoms to really know that they're already in there so some some arborists say it takes five years for us to see and the tree to actually die so unfortunately it's not a good prognosis um if you have isolated trees that uh, stand alone, there aren't any other ash around, you've got a better probability of keeping them alive. But I don't think anybody is giving a guarantee that uh, you won't get the ash bore, unfortunately. So, you know, think about alternative trees, think about other diversity, other kinds of trees, uh, and put those trees in now.
3: Okay. Another tree question, Mary. Uh, Good morning. This one says, I have an old crabapple tree that has not been pruned in many years, and the bark is peeling on it, the branches and the trunk. The peels are kind of blackish. Is that a fungus? And what should I do?
0: If the tree is healthy, it still has a lot of leaves and everything on, I wouldn't do anything. Some of the crabs do have exfoliating bark, and the bark does tend to fall off, and it's black, it's already... um, uh, old or pretty dead tissue, so if the overall health of the the tree uh, looks good, i wouldn't do anything there A lot of our crab apples get apple scab, which is a fungal disease, especially bad with wet years it 's not so bad this year, but there are certain kinds of crabs that really get that badly, and they 'll uh, totally lose all their leaves, even. Uh, those are that's much more of a serious problem. But some of the bark falling off, if the tree's healthy, I wouldn't worry about that.
3: All right. This listener says, Will a pine bush, thinned by rabbits in the winter when weighted down to the ground, would it grow back and flourish in subsequent years if I pruned it all the way to its main stems? A pine bush, they say
0: oh i guess i would not do any pruning on that Uh, it's probably already stressed with the loss of branches and uh from from the rabbits amazing what the rabbits did uh through the winter time but i wouldn't do any pruning because that will just reduce the vigor of the plant i would wait to see how it recovers um in the next year or two and and uh yeah i i wouldn't do any pruning
3: Okay. You'll have to help me with this one, Mary. It says, can you talk about bolting? My spinach has bolted, I believe. Is it all done? I thought I could keep harvesting spinach for a long time.
0: No, spinach is just like lettuce. I think that was our first uh, question about um, the sowing lettuce. Spinach is a cool season of vegetable, very tough to grow in the heat of the summer in Minnesota. So I think of it as a spring or a fall crop and and it does do this bolting the long days and then the heat uh, between the two of those that really forces the flowers to come on it so it will quit producing uh, the foliage and and just produce these flower stalks that you know are seed that's pretty much the end of it for that plant uh, you can still eat it it's still edible it might be a little bit bitter but it's just the the environmental conditions so you can think about sowing the the fall crop again so some more seeds uh, for the fall, but uh, preventing bolting is pretty impossible.
3: All right. This listener says this: When and how often should an orchid be repotted?
0: Oh gosh, uh, if the if the bark that it's growing in tends to break down and look more soil like, you might think about repotting it but repotting is usually not a limiting factor with orchid uh, flowering and growth. Um, Usually it's more sunlight fertilizer that it needs and uh and just watering it well. Uh we have great information on the website. Gosh, have we even said extension.umn.edu? Right. Oh my gosh. Um yeah, the extension website has a lot of information on uh orchids and Julie uh Julie Weisenhorn that does the show also, she loves orchids and uh is does a much better job than I do at growing orchids. But they, they need light and fertilizer Repotting, maybe, I would say, but that's going to be after a couple of years. But they they need light and fertilizer. Repotting, maybe, I would say, but that's going to be after a couple of years.
3: But by all means, check out that the website. The website, we like yes. like to mention that. Extension.umn.edu. You will be grateful for getting that information. It's a great resource. A lot of great yes. reading, a lot of, yeah, a lot of information.
0: Daddy, here we are. We're what two thirds done with the show, or even more. And I wanted first thing I wanted to say today, I am going on the Hennepin County Master Gardener Learning Garden Tour. Now anybody can still go on this tour today. Nine gardens in kind of the western uh, part of the. Um, Minneapolis suburbs and etc but nine gardens and I'm sure I'm going to learn a lot at each one of these gardens because the master gardeners are there these are master gardeners gardens mm. and so yeah and so the master gardeners of course work with us in extension and help with the website as well but the website's got information and today's a fun learning garden tour with the Hennepin County Master Gardeners.
3: I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, July 8th, this was the day yeah. we have been talking about. So, yeah get, yeah, get on the website. Get more information, uh, extension.umn.edu. We'll take a quick break, Mary, and come back with uh, more of the show. Keep in mind that in the next hour, if you have any home improvement type of questions for Andy Lindis, we'll be answering those next hour here on Newstalk 830 WCCO. Stay with us. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on CCU every Saturday in the eight o'clock hour. Welcoming those lawn and garden questions this morning for Mary Meyer from the U of M. You know, Mary, as well as as the uh, university website, I always we always like to bring up the arboretum as well. For folks that have never been there, it's a must visit, and I mean any time of the year. But this is a special time, isn't it?
0: Oh, it's so wonderful to see the Arboretum in midsummer, Denny. Yes, you know, if our listeners have any visitors coming from out of town, this is certainly a great uh, spot to take them. So, right now we have the lilies blooming. So, the Asiatic lilies as well as day lilies are blooming. The prairie flowers are just starting to bloom out in the prairie. Clematis, oh my gosh, the clematis is beautiful. And we have a beautiful clematis collection in the Wilson Rose Garden. The roses are in bloom, the shrub roses, and then the annual garden. You know, the, the Minnesota Landscape Arboretum continues to do an annual garden, which is seasonal, bright, big, colorful, showy annuals. This year, there are a lot of uh, what I think of the hot colors, yellow, red, orange, and there's a lot of foliage, a lot of foliage, not flowers, but foliage that's very colorful in the annual garden this year. So super things uh, to see as far as plants. And then there are so many events at the Arboretum. There is a firefly viewing throughout the summer on the weekends, weekends. there is, uh, there's a soybean presentation that's coming up uh, in July to learn about soybeans. Uh, the green bean fo- uh, family time for kids. Honey uh, beehive uh, presentations where you can see live at the beehives. So just a ton of things. Music. Uh, the arboretum has uh, beautiful things to show. So if you have any visitors from out of town, well, you don't need visitors from out of town. You can just go. Um, almost every day of the year, the arboretum is open. But the summer certainly very beautiful.
3: Yeah, you're right. Though I mean, by yourself or with a loved one, or when family or friends visit, it's a great mm-hmm. uh, it's a great destination. Right. Just yeah. head west on Highway Five to Forty One, and you're almost there. Uh, we have callers. We have texters, Mary. Let's uh, let's get back to it. Let's grab a phone call. Colette's calling in, I believe, from uh, Dayton this morning. Colette, you're on the CCO with Mary.
1: Good morning. I have about half a dozen um, milkweed plants that came up by themselves, and I let them grow. And about a month ago, and they looked really healthy, about a month ago, there was at least four big, fat monarch caterpillars on them, eating and the next day they were gone, and i haven 't found cocoons
0: or or anything and I'm wondering if you can tell me what might have happened to the caterpillars uh, My guess is Colette, that uh, that something ate the caterpillars, so it may have been birds or or something else. Uh, and that's you know that's just the uh, the nature of things Uh, the milkweed is a wonderful plant that harbors many um, insects and those insects will feed um, other things so The good thing about milkweed is it's a very tough plant. It's got a big rhizome system, and um, I have a neighbor who had one or two of these, and now there is a strip uh, 20 feet long of milkweed plants. And so I I think uh, you'll see more monarch butterflies, uh, caterpillars in the future, and you'll see many other insects as well.
3: Okay. A couple of lawn questions, and they both refer to uh, weed and feed. This one says, I want to use a weed and feed on my lawn, but I'm afraid it might kill the grass, which is very dry since I don't water that much. Uh, we we shouldn't be, I, I assume, uh, not putting any of this stuff on right now during this hot, dry weather.
0: Right. Uh, that's right, Denny. Now, if if you have a lawn that you're irrigating and it's green and you have some weeds you want to kill, you can use the weed and feed. But weed and feed, when it's a dry product that goes on, it needs moisture to activate the fertilizer as well as the weed killer. So many of the bags will tell you, put it on and then turn on your sprinkler, have the water water. Uh, uh, activate the chemical and and have them start to work. So if you're not watering, uh, the chemicals are just going to sit there and cause more of a problem. So we have to wait till we have more moisture in the soil if you don't have irrigation. Yeah, so I, I would not recommend using that unless you've got an irrigated lawn.
3: I know you and your colleagues, Mary, suggest as far as seeding lawns that uh, to wait, you know, August, September, uh, given that window, which is uh, we hear is a better time. But this uh, listener says, good morning. We're getting ready to seed a new lawn this week. Do we have to roll the seed once we put it down like some folks roll sod? Uh, what, would you, what, would you, uh, what advice would you give this uh, listener?
0: Well, you have to have it's, – it's more important that you have a method to water – after you put seed down, if you're going to do it right now. Because right right now, the temperature is nice and warm. The soil is warm for germination, but it's got to have consistent moisture. So you've got to be putting the sprinkler on really every day to put when you're putting uh, down seed. The idea of rolling it is actually to make that good seed-soil contact, so you firm it down. Um, rolling is not as critical as... Um, Sometimes it's lightly raked, or sometimes there's a straw mulch put on, and I would really recommend some type of a mulch to over top of the seed just very lightly to help keep the moisture in because the dry days that we have the moisture is just it it just evaporates before it really becomes effective in the soil so it's really critical that you have a good system for consistently daily watering for about two weeks. Um, before that seed will uh, sufficiently germinate. So if you don't have that uh, consistent water availability, I would say it's better off to wait till conditions are cooler. And yeah, August 15th to September 15th are still our prime uh, seeding dates.
3: Very good. A couple of minutes to go in the show, Mary. Uh, This listener says, I have irises that don't flower very much. What can I do now to get them to flower more next spring? The plants are very healthy, get good sun. Is now a good time to thin them out?
0: Just about. Um, I have that on my to-do list because I have the same issue with some of my bearded iris. It's a little bit early to do that. I like to wait till the end of July early August. Then they, they will go into kind of a dormant phase. Uh, it's kind of a weird thing with iris, but that's late July, early August. is definitely a good time to divide them. They're one of our perennials that actually benefits from division and uh, more, more of a, a higher maintenance uh, perennial. But I think you'll find if they're in full sun and you divide them, they'll, they'll do much better.
3: Mary, this listener wants to know, when do I stop fertilizing potted flowers?
0: Uh, When it frosts, really when the end of the growing season. Uh, Plants in containers, especially our annuals, uh, they really do well with consistent fertilizer. So many of these container plants, I use a dilute uh, fertilizer a couple times a week because they are heavy feeders, so it's just uh, you continue to do that through, throughout the summer.
3: Wow, are, we're already talking about frost. That's way too <laughs> I <wild. laughs> tell you what, Mary, we're just about out of time. Let's again for those maybe have missed it or haven't checked it out yet. Give us that University of Minnesota website.
0: Yes, extension.umn.edu. There's tons of information there. This morning, I was looking up uh, what is that insect on my eggplant, and of course, it was the potato, the Colorado Mm. potato beetle, these the larval forms. So you can you can identify a lot of problems, weeds, insects. um, Read what to do, timely things to do. if you've got Japanese beetles, they're coming out now. So take off the Japanese beetles. Uh-huh. picking them early in the day is the best thing.
3: Yeah. All sorts of great information. Speaking of great, it's always been great having you on the show, Mary. We will talk soon, I know.
0: Oh, my pleasure, Denny. Thanks for having Extension.
3: Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. Stay tuned next for a home improvement show. And uh, nice day.
2: 62 now on 830-WCCO. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.